to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. All right. All right. Welcome. Welcome to another uh, Wake the Bear Radio episode. Episode 97. We're getting close to 100. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Waking the bear up one one show at a time. She is the, the bear is California, and she is waking up. She really is, actually. It's not just a uh, a phrase. I mean, I'm seeing it every day. I'm seeing more and more people. I I I went out to a, a actually we watched a movie last night, an old movie, Commander in Chief, um, with Russell Crowe. The interesting thing was is that one of the people with us in our small group, it was from church, was on that show for seven months. He, and, oh. and so he would point out this is what happened behind the scenes because he knew how to sail. And wow. so uh, but anyway, in that we had a little food and stuff. And I started talking with people I didn't know. And a lot of people have recently woken up. They're like, you know, they, they fooled me in the beginning, like the whole COVID thing. And they're like, but you know what? I'm, I started seeing it and I started questioning. And, and so it was really encouraging actually to see. So people are waking up. I just wanted That's to throw good. that out there. I know we didn't talk about that before, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. I just I just got back from a week with my daughter up at the School of Worship up in Redding, California at Bethel Church. And uh, I'll tell you what, there was like 800 to 1000 young people there, mm-hmm. mostly young people uh, awakening to the reality that it mm-hmm. is the the worship of God that transforms the continent. It's the worship of God that transforms a nation. And uh, it just was beautiful to see just a, such a conversion, such a a large amount of young people whose hearts are fully the Lord's and uh, just being around them all and them, you know, doing spontaneous worship. It was just a really, really awesome time wow. to see that we're, we, we have a good generation coming up whose eyes are open and who really want to, to see God glorified. So. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah. To see Congrats. that many young people in one place too. It, it was awesome. And that on fire for Jesus and uh, just having their, their, um, energy going in the right direction as they're looking to God for the answers, but they're not passively waiting. They're actually the forerunners of this, um, this, uh, generation. And is she like an, is she an alpha generation? What is know. your daughter? I don't know. I think they're going to be Gen the, Z the and new then they greatest start over. generation. Yeah. 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 I think that's a prophetic, um, word. They are going to be the new greatest generation. We bless them as we Amen. run with them hand in hand in with our batons. That's right. Yes, that's right. absolutely. Speaking of yeah. that, we have a lot of news during the week. Let's just cover a couple bullet points before we get into our awesome guest. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, this week was really a lot of cool things. I mean, uh, one, one thing I know, which will be the theme tonight. One of them was uh, Donald Trump talking about, you know, how he would prosecute uh, mm-hmm. child traffickers. And he was suggesting a death penalty. And, you know, it's been a long time since we have talked about that kind of uh, penalty for anything anymore. Everything right. is like, oh, you can't do that. You know, even a mass murder, you know, we'll just put them in for life. And, you know, the scriptures, if you looked at it, really, there's certain people that deserve death. Just clear it out. You know, uh, it's a greater deterrent unless people will be harmed in the big picture. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, the truth is that Trump it was the first president to actually address child track, not just child trafficking, human trafficking in general, that he brought the word up. He made it uh, in his speeches. He wasn't afraid to 
to go around it. He set aside funds. He got agencies activated on it. And what I loved about uh, what he said about human trafficking and uh, the idea of capital punishment is that he stopped this doggone agenda of trying to normalize it. Like we should be agreeing with it. And the sexualization of our children isn't a problem. And we just need to get used to it. Uh, like so many of our even cartoons and children's shows want want us to to do. And and by saying that, it had a bit of a shock factor, I think, that said, why would why would we go, you know, why is it that bad? Because it's that bad. That's right. Yeah. It is that bad. And he said it. And I was um I was back there cheering when I heard his little speech. So God bless him for saying the thing that needed to be said. That's right, right. That's right. And you know, in 2017, Trump brought um Tim Ballard to his office as a as a team of people in the White House to discuss, you know, stopping child trafficking, <laughs> human sex trafficking. And uh, and then, of course, this last weekend at one of his resorts that he actually showed the Sound of Freedom in a private showing. Jim Caviezel was there. They said that he did not. He stood uh, that Trump looked watched the entire movie straight through. And then, of course, after that is when he made his remarks about um, bringing back the death penalty for this type of evil. So, you know, um, and then, of course, something that's just blown out of the water is Sound of Freedom has reached $100 million, made $100 million. Yeah. Here's a, a non-traditionally advertised film beating out Indiana Jones in the first two days. And then, of course, with half – and then that's with half the amount of theater mm-hmm. showing it. And then, of course, all that we talked about last week, all of the crazy things that were happening in the theaters where they were turning yeah. off the sound, they were turning off the the, the, the air conditioning, they, there was alarms going off. I mean, there's like, like 35 of them I, I, are listed – of this was happening over the nation, mostly in AMC theaters. So, and still it broke a hundred thousand, hundred million dollars. So uh, I think this is a message that the American people are finally done being silent about. And that you know, going back to Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein, the fact that we still mm-hmm. don't have a client list for Jeffrey Epstein, I, I, the American, the American people are waking up to this and they're saying, no, this is evil. We will not stand for it and not on my watch. And that's really tonight what I, what I really want to, point out tonight we're about to have a ruka project on we're going to have heather and l'oreal and they started a local um organization called a ruka project that that helps uh, women and uh, uh, come out of trafficking and what i what i tell people is listen you feel like you can't do anything right you feel like you can't do anything well you're in charge of your city so it to say to say listen it's not going to happen in my city so we can we're in santa cruz county we're going to stop it from happening in our county. And everybody works locally. We think globally, but we all work locally. We can see this actual, this horrible evil stopped in our nation. So. Absolutely. So with no more further ado, Chris, why don't you, uh, or both of you introduce uh, our guests. Welcome, Heather and L'Oreal. Woo! You are real life heroes. Heroines, I think is the proper name. You are in the, the fray. And you have um, you have put it on the field. You've you've done the job that needs to be done. You've done the grit and the the training and the financial uh, investment. So we want to welcome you. Why don't you introduce Heather and I'll introduce okay. L'Oreal. Okay. Well, Heather is the founder of Agruka Project. Her and L'Oreal together did, did this and. Um, you know, I've known Heather for many years. She's been a pastor at a church that we were pastoring together. 
Um, it's just been an awesome joy to get to know her, to know her, to see her do her the work that she does. And she just has such a passion for people. And it just comes out of her everything that she does. And she has a passion for God and a passion for people. And you, you just see it on her. So thank you, Heather, for being here. Yeah, and L'Oreal Weitzel, she's she's kind of the fire behind uh, behind the uh, Heather's the pastoral uh, kind heart, and L'Oreal she's ready to roll up her sleeves and take on. She's the mama bear, bear. and so uh, uh, she really. I love the combination that you two are because. Uh, what you are is you're showing how generations work together. You're showing uh, also how different personalities come together um, on on a project that you both are very passionate for. So um, we are so excited to have you here. And I, I was excited because your vision statement for Aruka Project is Luke 418. And that's the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives. And when I saw that that was your your vision statement, I thought, oh, my gosh, God has got to be just hovering with his favor over the Aruka project. Wow. Thank you. That's wow. What a what a. Um introduction i think we're just humbled and and grateful and um just really 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 happy to be here thank you so much well, that's yeah, awesome this is kind of also a follow-up because we um we did a, a sound of freedom watch party about two weeks ago right when it first came out um mm -hmm. july 4th and or july 6th it was and you guys came and we did we uh, interviewed um some people from operation underground railroad but we also interviewed you guys or let you guys share but we didn't really get a chance to really ask you the questions we wanted to ask you so we're just glad you're here tonight um to be asked to be able to ask you guys some more questions about what you do so let's just start off with this what uh, what is aruka project how did you guys get the name what what how did how did you get this inspiration um from god to actually start aruka project and then what do you guys do um, primarily. Yeah, yeah. So um, as many times as we have tried to condense this story, we're just going to tell it the way that it is. So um, <laughs> you can just mute us when you are done with hearing it. Um, but the truth of the matter is that um, in 2016, I personally had uh, just sort of a little bit of a crisis of faith, I would say. I had spent about 25 years in the for-profit world um, helping run a design build company, so construction development, real estate, that's kind of my background. Um, but it was not really my passion. And during the time that I was um, running that business, any time that I was not at work uh, or not at home with my three sons, I was in church. So I have about three decades of experience in women's ministry. Um, I got ordained in 2016 as well. And um, I really just I think, Lord, teach us to number our days, you know, and I think there was just mm -hmm. this moment when I thought I have spent more than half of my life doing that, which I don't really want to do. And wow. my days are numbered. And I, when I stand before the Lord, I want to be able to say that I did what I knew he asked me to do. And so in that moment, um, I basically walked into my company on a Wednesday, announced my resignation, cast off all my files on a Thursday, packed up my box on a Friday and never looked back. And it was shortly after that, that um, I was praying and really began to seek the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me a vision of a ministry 
that he wanted to start rooted in. So you used the the Luke version, right, Chris? Um, I hope that's the right gospel reference, but it was in Isaiah 61, which is when those exact words were prophesied. And the Lord spoke this, this vision of a ministry for me about how he wanted to restore, renew, and rebuild the lives of people. And in the midst of him talking to me about this, he spoke the word sex trafficking. And probably like many of your listeners, I just remember thinking, what does that have to do with me? That is people in Amsterdam or Cambodia or Thailand. That is those people over there. And I couldn't understand why the Lord would speak this to me. Um, And after asking a few trusted advisors, why do you think the Lord would speak sex trafficking to me? Every one of them who did not incidentally know each other all said, you need to meet a woman by the name of L'Oreal Weitzel. And so I just happened to tap the shoulder of this woman, and I'm going to let her tell you the second part. <laughs> Hi, guys. Really quickly. Yes, just so thankful to be here. And so what an amazing introduction, Chris. I love you. Um, <laughs> so before I met this lovely one, um, I had always been been called to help people. I went to school to be a lawyer. I went to school. I, then I wanted to be a doctor. And then the Lord really showed me my passion when I started looking into some psychology classes um, after I graduated with my bachelor's in psychology, the Lord called me to YWAM, Youth with the Mission, where I went to Perth, Australia, uh, to really see the reality of sex trafficking and prostitution. Um, and the focus was seeing justice through the eyes of the gospel. So bringing Jesus really into the situation and actually meeting him there. Um, it was an amazing school. I really found the population that I felt called to really serve and help and work with. Um, and then the Lord called me home three months early, which is actually unheard of in YWAM. Um, so when I came home, uh, I realized in Santa Cruz that there wasn't a lot here. I had seen so much in Australia. I came back and it was almost as if like scales had been removed from my eyes because I just I saw it everywhere, but I didn't see a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, like you said, I'm a fireball. So I wanted to do it all. I wanted to be the lawyer. I wanted to be the investigator. I wanted to be like all of the things, the pastoral care and uh, praise God that he has a very gentle heart and just kept closing each door after the other. And so the one that I'm very passionate about, which is aftercare, uh, was the one that he showed me, which was um, what I was called to do. By that point, uh, I was the kids ministry director at the point. Uh, this lovely woman approached me the night of the kids ministry Christmas choir. So obviously it was crazy. I was running around doing a bunch of stuff and she just kind of joined me in pace and said, you don't know me, but I know you. And I feel like I'm supposed to talk to you. Do you want to go have coffee? And I said, sure. Not really paying attention to who she was. I said, sure. I did the choir. I didn't see her afterwards. My husband could testify to this. I went home and I said, someone wants to have coffee with me. I didn't see her after the choir. I don't even know if she existed. Did I lose? <laughs> was there a vision of a ghost? Like, was she a past life? Like, what was this? Thank goodness she found me on Facebook. Uh, and then we got coffee and the rest is history. Uh, we just realized that we had the same heartbeat uh, for women. I had that same heartbeat for children. I really felt called to children my whole life. Um, and so Aruka Project is actually Hebrew for restoring to wholeness and spirit, soul and body. Wow. And so this is the Aruka Project, which is that healing does not take is not overnight. It is not one thing. It is not something that someone can put a checkbox next to. It is a restorative journey with Jesus in so many different arenas. And uh, yeah, that's how Ruka Project started. That was back in 2016. We started working with victims in 2018, became official nonprofit in 2019. Wow. wow. And that's primarily here in Santa Cruz County. Is that correct? Yes, we serve Santa Cruz County, mostly Santa Cruz County, but we can, we do, of course, help 
other survivors and victims in different areas, but our primary focus is sex trafficking survivors here in Santa Cruz County. Wow, that's great. Um, now, you guys have worked with the, what was it, the assistant DA here in the county. You guys have um, been helping, uh, you know, women that come out of this, you know, that, that have been trafficked, they've been coerced, they've been exploited. Well, what what exactly is that process look like or how do, how do you guys do that and how do you care for women and, and that sort of thing once they come out of that lifestyle or, or children or both? Yeah. So, I mean, Aruka Project does a lot. So when we first started back in 2018, we worked with primarily adult survivors. So through the DA's office, if they had a case and it was sex trafficking, we were called to be the aftercare advocate resource. So we help with housing. We help with transportation to medical appointments. We help with uh, if they want to pursue a case for their advocate um, and have legal resources in terms of helping them get to the DA's office for their interviews, for their case meetings. Um, we do mentor and pastoral care if they so desire. We do discipleship. We do job training, job skills, um, school education. We help with all of this. We help with California Victim Compensation Board, with the victim advocates of the DA's office. So we're kind of the hub. We're the one person when we get a survivor, we then are the the people that call to get all their needs met so the survivor doesn't feel alone trying to navigate all these different resources that they need trying to figure it out by themselves we're the constant by their side figuring out with them together so that was adults um but my heart continued to beat for children so when the pandemic happened uh the lord had a great plan to speak to me very loudly about his children and about his kids and that he really was speaking family to us regarding children um, and so we spent a year and a half on an application to become a licensed foster family agency here in California to be able to uh, recruit, train, equip, and cover uh, foster families, also known as resource families, to be able to take in trafficked children who are in the foster care system. Um, we vet these families. We do our interviews. We do background checks. Uh, we make sure that, you know, they're families that are ready to take on the task. We train them. We equip them. I've created trainings. Um, and then we surround them and encourage and support and give them the resources they need to be able to walk with these children and bring them in. So that's how we work with kids. And then on top of that, we also do our prevention platform, which is called Truth to Freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, we also tackle prevention while we are in the aftercare and the aftermath. We are also very passionate about preventing it from happening in the first place. So we have trainings for children age-appropriate uh, trainings for children and teens and families on the reality of what online grooming looks like, how to properly use social media, what to look out for, uh, red flag, you know, predatory behavior online, how parents and families can create a safety net in their family to be able to bring these discussions about the reality of what's truly out there. Um, on top of that, we also have trainings for first responders, police officers, uh, sheriffs, we are accredited by uh, CAPCHE, which is C-A-P-C-E, which is the Commission of Accreditation for Pre-Hospital Continuing Education, a Council of Accreditation, excuse me. Uh, and we are accredited by them, which is a national accreditation to give continuing education hours to first responders who take their human trafficking awareness training. And through that training, we train first responders on what to look out for, uh, things to look for, things to listen for, uh, what to do if you think you're seeing a victim of human trafficking, who to call um, and who to talk to, and the next steps for them. We also give uh, advice and walk with them on next steps, creating protocols and policies. Um, so that's our Truth to Freedom prevention platform. And hey, I'm going to show your your um, 
website. website so people can recognize that beautiful flower and they know what how to spell aruka because that's <laughs> a, it's a hebrew word isn't it yes yes yeah and so you can see it has um it it has the different tabs up at the top it's just a a beautiful website uh, that goes through a lot about events and about us. And so people can um, can really see what you have, including the training and um, that, uh, what was it that you said the, the informational project was about? The informational project. Yeah, I mean, that, that gives, that it's uh, the in information about human trafficking that, that is your... Um, your anti-human trafficking prevention program? Yes. Oh, truth. Well, truth, truth to freedom. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. truth to freedom. Right. So if you go under, I believe it's our initiatives, um, you will see some links to, there you go. So there's Connect. I'll let Heather touch on that a little bit. We have Sought After, which is our foster family agency. We uh, got the inspiration from Isaiah 62. Uh, and then we have Truth to Freedom. Uh, and then our Survivor Aftercare, which is our adult plus Survivor Aftercare. And then we even have marketplace uh, mentorship where we train businesses and churches and pretty much the marketplace on even how they can help. Um, if they see something, how to have a trauma-informed workplace. Um, so there was a lot, but then I, uh, Heather can also touch on Connect, which is another level of uh, rest restorative care that we provide as well. Sorry. <laughs> Do you see how we've never been able to get this down to a, to a two minute? infomercial and i think part of it and, and and i want to tell the history behind that because one of the things that people say to us a lot is wow you guys do a lot and i don't know that we would have thought in the beginning wow we need to do all of these things but i think as l'oreal said we are victim centered and so really what that means is unlike a lot of organizations like us we are not a program so we don't have this criteria people come in they check 12 boxes they graduate and they move on that is not what we do so and again aruka the basis of that word is integrated health in spirit soul and body and it is a progressive ongoing thing and so i think our goal is to really invite uh, the people that we serve into that journey, right? It takes the pressure off of this idea that I need to be finished or done. Um, it's an ongoing process. But what happens is when when a victim is either rescued or escapes or leaves or, you know, whatever reason, they come out of trafficking. I think it's important for listeners to understand that in one moment, they lose their job, their home, their phone, their clothes, their social structure, their protection, right? right? They are also significantly traumatized in every way. Many of them have coexisting things such as addiction, mental illness, and trauma. And so you're never quite sure which one came first, right? It's a chicken or an egg that, you know, the trauma caused the addiction caused the this, you know, and then, you know, mental health. And so when a victim comes out, they need everything and they need everything at once. And I feel like that was really our first year was realizing that when we started caring and walking alongside our first victim, we began to look around and we just thought, oh my goodness, we are in trouble, right? I'm just, you know, I'm just pull back the veil here on the inside of NGO work, right? Or nonprofit work. We just looked around and we thought, we don't have all this stuff. 
we don't have all this stuff. I don't have housing or medical or we, we just didn't have it. But what we knew is that we could walk alongside people and that in the places where we had solutions, we would support them to find those solutions. In the places where we didn't have solutions, we would hold the space until we could find them. And we knew that love goes a really, really, really long way. And it wasn't, you know, here's a list, go do that. It was, let's get in my car and let's drive over there and let's figure this out together. I don't know, let's go to social services. Let's see what we can get. You know, let's go to a doctor. Let's see what we can get. And it just, it kind of was like that. So wow. I think that when we started being victim centered, so when they come to us, it really is an assessment of where are you? What do you have? What do you need? Because there really is no single demographic of a victim. There is no single set of circumstances, socioeconomic background. Um, they almost don't have anything in common except severe trauma that end. I mean, that's really what they have. Vulnerable. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. what we do is assess where they're at and what they need and focus on what they need and start prioritizing with them, if that makes sense. It's not just like, well, here's what we do. It's more like, here's what you need and let's get behind that. So mm -hmm. I don't know that I did not get completely distracted, but that that's where we started backing up. And we thought, well, if we're going to do this, then how are mm -hmm. we going to take care of kids because all of these adults were kids right okay well 60 percent of adult victims were in the foster care system right god began to speak to l'oreal very clearly i remember the day she called me and she said god keeps saying foster and i said then let's go so we did that and then we realized the greatest tool we have is prevention we've got to stop this from happening yeah place and so that's where those those fundamental you know ministries that we focus on are, and we, you cannot do one without the other. To address trafficking, it must be addressed holistically and culturally. And that's where L'Oreal talked about connect. And so part of a ministry that I, um, I'm going to say facilitate, I don't want to say lead, facilitate is the coming together of the faith community of pastors and businesses and nonprofits uh, with shared resources, you know, working together um, and creating a transformative culture in Santa Cruz and offering tangible measurable solutions in our city uh, by shared resources so that we're not operating alone that's so good that is you're obviously a networker and uh it, it's just the genius of god to uh put you two together because you know i've known you for a little bit of time heather and if there's something that is needed um uh, I don't ever remember you saying, oh, we can't do that or we can't get that. There's, you know, you know, all things are possible with God. And with you, that's not just a coffee cup. You know, you um, I loved how uh, L'Oreal heard the word foster because she that was her spirit. Yeah. She heard the Holy Spirit speaking to her that he knew that that was something that would need to stabilize and create a, a sustainability for a root cut that, that uh, people need to be in families and groups. And uh, I just love how, how you are working together with God uh, and you're not backing off the hard thing. You're getting down in the dirt or down on the street level and, and inviting people to help solve their, their situation with them. Yeah, we have a saying here at Arupa Project, and we say when you've met one survivor, you have only met one survivor. 
And we go by that saying because we I've been working myself in the anti-trafficking realm for about eight years now. I've met tons of survivors. I've worked with tons of survivors. I've worked with older ones. I've worked with younger ones. But when I meet a new one, I don't ever want to take their journey and compare it to another because mm-hmm. their needs might be different than the one that I just previously worked with. And their beliefs and, and what they've been through may need a different tender, loving care than the previous one that I worked with. So we kind of take the uniqueness that even, you know, God sees in each of us. We're all God's children. We're all very unique in his eyes. And so we want to make sure that we also took the approach of loving each child of God individually and uniquely that they deserve when they come to us, that they aren't just another one. They're not just another number. They are uniquely designed by the Lord. And what do they need? And how is God going to use me in this very moment to speak truth and love to this very particular survivor that I'm not working with? You know, I really like the way you're talking about working with the faith community, trying to get others involved as well. You know, for the sake of our audience, I'd like to ask a question, you know, with this movie that came out, Sound of Freedom, you know, mm-hmm. this might be an introduction to the whole topic for a lot of people, it is. Uh, especially after it hit 100 million so far in the last couple of weeks. Obedient to the call. What... What could they do? You know, they, they would view themselves as, hey, I'm just an average person. I've never done anything like this. What would your advice be to to a baby step or whatever to get in that position? Because I, I believe it's going to be a huge what you're doing is going to is going to grow monumentally because it's being exposed and people are going to realize, oh, where did all these millions of children go? Um, and so, yeah, what would your advice be on that? This is my favorite question. (laughs) We get this quite often, especially with the new movie that just came out. Okay, so one of the things that I love about the way God created people is that each one of us has a role. And I think the biggest conception, misconception, sorry, when people want to get involved in something is this idea that I need to go over there and do that big thing right? I need to change my life. I need to alter my course. I need to um, get involved. And the problem with that is that that momentum often falls quickly away when they realize that that they, they just aren't in a spot to move their life. But I think the amazing thing about how God created people is that you don't need to go outside of yourself. I always love when Jesus said to the little boy, when there were 5,000 people to feed, he said, what do you have? And that's such a simple principle. And I know we've all heard that message spoken a thousand times, but it is the first question I ask people. They always say, how can I get involved? And I always say, well, tell me about your life. Tell me about what you love. Tell me about what ignites you. Tell me about a special skill that you have. Tell me about what your passion is. Because Aruka Project, fortunately, is so broad that people can pretty much jump on anywhere, right? So my first answer is is the most honest. I mean, I think the, the most honest answer is that we need support, right? Funding is um, is the key because the non coming from the for profit world, the leap to nonprofit was very jarring. Um, and we know statistically that it takes $85,000 to restore one victim of human trafficking. That is an astounding number. Now let's add the most expensive area in the United States on top of that. So funding, get behind this. If you can get $5, $10, 500, donate. It is so key. Secondly, look at what you have in your hand. What are you good at? Do you love events? Do you love one-time things? Do you 
Do you have special skills that you can offer? We have people that do finance for us. We have lawyers that do work for us. We have advisors that step in. We have uh, people that are experts in um, in clinical care that weigh in on some of the certifications that we need. So it really is about what you have in your hand. So reach out to us. That's why we call our tab. We don't call it donate. We call it get involved. And so go on there. There's an interest form. It lists all the different things that we do. Mark those boxes, reach out to us and we can get you plugged in. Did I answer? I think another piece too is Brandon, you said at the very beginning, like we all work locally. Trafficking yes. isn't over there. It yes. is. And it's right here. And Santa Cruz just happens to be one of the top spots in America, not just California, but in America. So locally is so yeah. powerful. Like, please, if you're listening, don't ever question if God's called you to your own city to fight this, because guaranteed it's there somehow, some way. It may not look as if, for example, in Santa Cruz, it's predominantly online. So we've gotten questions of, well, I don't see people walking down the street and being pulled over and being pulled into a car. Where is it? Great question. You're right. Because movies such as Taken or even Sound of Freedom, that does happen. But here in Santa Cruz, it looks a little bit more different where it's more predominantly online. L.A., you'll see a lot of tracks. And if you don't know what a track is, it's where you'll see women walking up and down. A lot of those women who are prostitutes also have a pimp and are being trafficked. So you could see it down in L.A. So where you're seeing it is completely different. How to get involved in your particular city mm-hmm. is something that is also very important. So wherever you may be, I would say even before donating maybe look and do some research and see what is in your area if you are feeling called to your city your town your your people see what's there first and if you just so happen to be in santa cruz i mean uh we are we're the only one focused specifically on this population we're the only ffa in santa cruz county specializing in commercially sexually exploited children and we are actually the only ffa here at the moment as well so we are doing a lot here in santa cruz uh, funding is is always, you know, we, we do help with rescues. We do help get survivors from one place to another. I've helped fly survivors from one state to another in the middle of the night to get them away from their trafficker or to get them here to safety. We've gone on a couple rescues on East Diani or on Capitola Wharf. I mean, it is here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then again, just like Heather said, what has God given you? There hasn't been a place yet that we haven't been able to plug someone in where they were passionate about, I want to do this, but it's, it, they thought maybe they would have to fly to Cambodia to go knock down doors or <laughs> South Africa, or, I mean, you can do that. People are called, heck, Tim Ballard doing it. Like people are called to do this. But if you're feeling called in your hometown, I had one group of precious um, older ladies. They prayed for us and they asked if they could knit sweaters for survivors in the winter. Aww. And I said, oh my gosh, I want one. Like, <laughs> I want a home knit sweater. Yes, please. <laughs> so yes, you can, I mean, yes, they would love that. It's it's love and it's care. And that's one of the vulnerabilities that traffickers actually prey on is uh, being accepted, being loved, being valued, being treasured, something that we like, you know, feel from the Lord at all times. And that's the only spot that he can fill. But then how are we giving that to these women, men and children who are coming out of this and yes, show, knitting a sweater, cookie, cookie, uh, baking cookies. I mean, we've had that. So it, I, you can find a place to do this. Um, and if you're just feeling really, really strongly and you're in Santa Cruz, please feel free to email us. We've actually already had a couple of people who were just so lit on fire by this film, uh, which was so exciting. And they came and we've met and they talked about their passion. 
Um, they've seen the reality of what it looks like to really join in the fight with the time that they have and that's what they have available, but also with their skill set. And they've been wonderful conversations because we've been able to highlight the uniqueness of their skills and gifts and how they really can join the fight. Because not everyone, can, not one person can do everything, but everyone can do something. Cool. Yeah, and that sounds like a biblical principle, doesn't it? That that God says, if if you're faithful with the little then you get more. And it's really part of the maturation process where you're not just going, uh, I'm going to take the mountain and you've never actually walked up a mountain before. (laughs) No, it's uh, that that's not, you're not going to have the muscle for that. And so I love that everybody can play a part. And uh, we are in a, I don't know if you've noticed a season of acceleration in Mm -hmm. spiritually and God is um, I have, I could almost hear him audibly saying, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. Enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I sense that he is in this thing called um, putting an end to, to human trafficking mm-hmm. and the exploitation of, of everyone, yes. you know, whether it's man, woman, boy, girl. And I know that uh, I was reading the statistic uh, nationally in America, 70% of um, human trafficking is women and children. Um, and uh, that most of that is like 90% of that is uh, sexual exploitation. Mm-hmm. And so it, it obviously is a situation when we hear that America is the largest consumer of, mm-hmm. um, of sexual material. Uh, that that should concern us as uh, men and women, uh, as mothers and fathers, uh, that really, if there were not a market, there Mm -hmm. wouldn't be a pipeline for that market. And so when you hear that the United States of America, a so-called Christian nation, or possibly it sounds more like a post-Christian nation, that something has changed. And um, what would you say to um, to our listeners who are uh, many of them are faith based people about um, the fact that we have we have a sex trafficking problem here in America and uh, knowing even statistically that uh, one in it when I was a little girl, it was one in five girls had been molested. Uh, and now, I mean, that was a long time ago, as you can see, I've got a little gray hair, but so I'm sure it's gone up. What would you say to our listeners about um, the consumer product of sex trafficking in America? What would we say to the, the consumer problem or, or what, what is it? Exactly- I mean, obviously it's not them, <laughs> them. I mean, right. that's, you know, no, there, there, there probably are quite a few of our listeners who participate in this as much as that, that sounds a little offensive. If you just statistically listen, um, there, there's a real secret um, problem with porn mm-hmm. and even with, um, with trafficking people, with, mm-hmm. with, uh, with consuming the product. And that, that's really, you know, I just want to bring that into the light that uh, condemnation doesn't help. Uh, freedom is, you know, freedom from both the uh, the person being trafficked, but for the person who's consuming the material or the person that mm-hmm. is being trafficked. That's really what I'm asking you to address. 
yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the, the head too there, Chris, is pornography and sex trafficking are uh, completely linked as much as there's been some debate about that. Um, uh, Fight the New Drug has given a lot of statistics. Operation Underground has given a lot of statistics about just how pornography kind of uh, normalizes violence against women and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking at that definitely uh, desensitizes us to what is happening in terms of like what is being shown with, uh, it's called CSAM, which is child sexual abuse material. Um, people are being desensitized to it. Um, you have, you know, situations where even you put the, you also hit the nail on the head when you say, it's kind of like a secret, but why? It won't, nothing will change unless we talk about it. That porn is a very real problem. Porn is a very real problem for men and women and in the church and condemnation doesn't help. Love, acceptance, trying to figure it out together. Like what is going on? Um, shame does not help. It drives them closer into the dark. So really, I think to our listeners, like talk about it. I think one of the biggest struggles we also have here in Santa Cruz is a lot of people do think it's over there. And so we bring it to the reality that it is actually happening over here. So I think um, some people don't want to talk about it after that. So I think denial is a really big thing to listeners. I mean, to uh, people as well, that if we keep it swept under the rug, we keep it hidden in the dark. I mean, that's what the enemy wants. Don't talk about it. Nope, everything's fine. We're America. We are the best nation ever. Um, we can be, we are in certain areas, but there are some things that are broken and some things that are wrong and some things that need fixing. And until we take our place, whatever we've been called to help fix and whatever we've been called to bring to the light, that's our duty as the body of Christ is to bring those things to the light. Regardless if you are doing things like a radio, uh, wake the bear, or you're doing things like Aruka is doing as a nonprofit, or you're in the church, like working every Sunday and doing what pastors and, and church uh, staff do or you're in government, or you're a police officer, or a cop, or, you know, you work at Macy's, talking about it, educating yourselves about Mm -hmm. it, being real about what the issue is about, that it's actually here, and we are the number one consumer, and I'm actually so thrilled that that reality is hitting people super hard right now, Mm -hmm. and waking people up that this is what's going on, and there is a quote by William Wilberforce, if you guys don't know him, Um, he was uh, one of the uh, help me out here with abolitionist. abolitionist for the uh, slave trade. And he's and he said when he told people, you can now choose to look away, but you can never again say you didn't know. Yep. Wow. And I think knowledge is so powerful. Yes. And then what to mm-hmm. do when you have it. So even even right here, right now, we are talking about it. We are bringing it to the light. You have listeners listening. Okay. Then what are you going to do on Tuesday morning? Are you going to talk about it? Are you going to think about it? Are you going to pray about it? Are you going to pray against it? Are you going to reach out to somebody? Are you going to bring it up to say your pastor at church? Hey, what's our church doing? Because what I love so much about the body is you can't have the hand without the foot and you can't have the toe without the toenail and you can't have the finger without the fingernail. Like everybody working together for this is is so powerful and you can't ignore the one to to say something and to talk about it. Bringing it up is so, so powerful. So talking about it, acknowledging that it's here listeners um i would i would also no nope it's an and oh it's an and i would say um as parents i think um the church um i'm just gonna say it is is notoriously um hush mouthed about conversations like this and having conversations with our children wives having conversations with our spouses um, and being able to talk to our children about 
pornography about online safety. And, and we have a little saying, we were talking about it earlier, that when we have kid, children come of age, um, we would never just hand them the keys to our car and say, bye. We would train them. We would make sure they got education. We would drive behind the wheel. Current California law is 100 hours, right? So I spent 100 hours with three boys behind the wheel. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, I did it. Okay, so, so that is the minimum. And yet we hand them the latest cell phone and say, so exciting, text me when you get there without realizing that we have just handed them an open door to any and all of the deepest, darkest information that there is. And I know that I, as a mom, before I knew anything about trafficking, when I gave my, my kids their first phone, I remember every one of them at different times would come to me and say, mom, I got this really weird text. They just get a new phone number within three to five days, almost every child will get a phishing text. In in every case, it is not girls. It's not teen girls. It's women. It's children. It's boys. It's girls. It's young kids. It's old kids. I get propositioned online. Lori, I was like, I don't know how many times I've been propositioned online. And because I had created a space where we could talk about really taboo subjects mm-hmm. and there was no subject off limits to me. And I didn't look with horror when my children asked me really tricky questions. So when things came on their phone, they would come to me and go, ew, mom, I got this super weird text. These are full born news that my 12 year old was seeing. And so being able to not only have conversations in our churches as leaders standing up and saying, you know what, you guys, pornography is huge in the church. It's huge. It's huge mm-hmm. everywhere, but it's big in the church. It's big in businesses. It's big in this nation. It's 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 pandemic with our children, and we've got to be willing to have the really hard conversations. And they cannot sound like "Ooh, don't look at that," because I'm going to take it to the next degree, and this is a whole other hour. But God ordained men and women to be attracted to one another. Mm-hmm. That is a beautiful thing, right? When my sons look at a woman and say, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. Like, you are right. She really is. That is so amazing. And then I can work that conversation. What is it that you love about her? Tell me, tell me about that. Tell me what appeals to you. And we turn it into a conversation about character and values and what they love and what they don't love. And I'm not mad that they like blonde hair and blue eyes, or one likes brown hair and brown eyes. And one likes sporty girls. And one likes quiet girls. And so I'm willing to have these mm. really, really, hard conversations that walk with our children through so that they can learn. So I had a question, uh, you know, this pandemic with, uh, with, um, you know, pornography and stuff, would you say that, uh, the church as a whole has just gotten to the edge of things? We look the other way, you know, people have HBO or they have, you know, they let, they let their, I don't know, their elementary school kid go to school with a midriff, which is really a, dressing very sexual i mean and and they they don't think about it i I see this everywhere i'm not just picking on the church but i mean do you think that uh we've allowed ourselves to get so close to the edge that it's just too far and it sucks people over or or what would you say on this whole thing i I do have i i have thoughts about that i think that that the lust of the eye has been around since the garden Mm -hmm. for human nature to want what it cannot have 
to lust and to possess and to desire. I think that has been around from the beginning. Um, while, while modesty is always a tricky subject, I think that if we're going to talk about it, we need to talk about it in biblical context because lust is lust. And so I see people lust for cars. So shall we not have cars or lust for money? So shall we get rid of that or lust for power? So should we be communist where everybody's the same? Mm -hmm. So lust is lust and it's going to live where it's going, where it's fed, right? Where it is fostered, mm -hmm. where it is allowed to stay. Um, and it can manifest in a variety of places. So I did not have girls, so I'm probably not the best one to talk to, but I did have boys that were around girls. And I just remember thinking, you know, buddy, that's not yours till it's yours. And so it's like stepping into a really cool sports car. You, it's not yours. And so regardless of how flashy that sports car is, you don't own it. So keep walking. You know, but I'm not going to tell my kids that to think that a woman is beautiful is a bad thing because I think that that drives people into shame. Now, that is my personal opinion. I'm not an expert in this. Yeah. Um, but if but if I had daughters, I, I, I would request a certain level of modesty for sure. But I also would not shame my daughters into hiding themselves. Really good. I, I don't think that's a balanced approach either. I think that sin is sin and that needs to be addressed. Would you add to that? Because I feel like you've, you've seen more of that than I have. Seen more of As far as like girls dressing provocatively. I mean, you've dealt with a lot of. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say there is a, like, I wouldn't say that, you know, girl dressing, provo dressing provocative equals sex trafficking. I right. definitely wouldn't right. say that. Right. No, uh, I, I'm just wondering about that. I mean, we're the number one consumer of the United States. What is making it happen? It doesn't happen by accident. Where did this appetite for the, in this country come from? You know, that, that's, I guess, what I was trying to ask. You know, where did, where's the starting point where it, it started to snowball and to, as bad as it is? Yeah. Well, you know, we had talked a bit, little bit about, you used the word grooming earlier. Um, uh, and I, I think there's a form of grooming. I think we've been grooming our children each generation a little bit more and a little bit more through that thing called the television. Mm -hmm. um, I think that when that entered the house, it was very intentional. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an accident that the television came into the living room and suddenly that portal was opened up to the family structure where it hadn't been open before. And uh, I, I mean, the, 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 the kind of the downward spiral of America is not, it's not accidental. Mm -hmm. You know, that the enemy knows that if you can break down the family mm -hmm. and you can uh, begin to um, break down the ethics and the morals of a generation, it, you're only a, a generation from having it under your control and having it godless, really. And I think some of our groomers um, were our early TV shows where they, you know, that whether it was a beer commercial and how do you sell a, a car? You put a girl on the car. How do you sell a beer? Well, the guy gets the girl. And um, I mean, those kind of things were part of the, the sexuality was okay to sell a product 
but we're still selling products except for those products are human beings. Mm -hmm. And now the, the grooming has gone into a state paid for classroom. And starting in the third grade, little ones are looking at pornography under the guise of sexual education. Well, my parents had to sign a permission slip when I was 14 for me to go to sex, sex ed. Yeah. And it wasn't sex ed. There was a little egg and there was a sperm and there were no body parts. <laughs> right now, we are grooming our children and it is intentional through the emotional social learning, through the CRT, the critical race theory, through the guise of um, education, diversity, equity, and inclusion, through all the things that have so-called sneaked in and now they are normalized. And um, we, I think we, we have to go back to, it's our responsibility as parents. I mean, I, I love what you said, Heather, you were the one that taught your boys um, that, that how to think, you yeah. know, this is the process of how you think you didn't, you didn't, um, give it out to someone else. You mm -hmm. didn't contract it to the school system. Right. You were the primary, um, trainer of your children. And so I, I think that there's a lot of that. And with the two, um, the two income families, I mean, you just look in the whole, there are so many things that have come against our family structures. I mean, even like fashion, you go to, you go to Target, if that's where you're going to um, purchase something. Not and we did a thing on Balenciaga, <laughs> who is the fashion industry. There are fashion industries that have determined what our children will wear. They're determining you're going to wear the midriff. And that's almost, if you go there, that's almost all you could buy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's amazing that that is the product that was put in our box stores that is allowed to be sold. That That's all part of the degradation. And so even there, it's, um, no, we're not shopping at those places. Well, I think, I think you said it too. There's massive industry. So really what it comes down to, the love of money is the root of all evil. So there's mm -hmm. massive industry, $150 billion industry, yeah. child sex trafficking. Yeah, right. So the people, people are willing to put aside morals and values for the sake of money. And we've seen mm -hmm. that go on in our country. And, and, and that, that you've got, you know, you've got billions of dollars being spent on pornography. You got billions of dollars being spent um, to get people to, to ensnare people into, to, into addiction. So I, I think that that's, those are the, the drives and that's, you know, that's demonic It's satanic. That's, that's the drive is to draw is the the love of money people figured out they can make quick money on doing these types of things and so you know i think that's one of the major things we need to acknowledge and then and, and then tell kids listen you don't realize son you don't realize daughter there's a 150 billion dollar industry to try to ensnare you and just ensnare me and ensnare her and it's it, like this system is demonic they want to ensnare and and, and the word i think is vulnerable find people where they're vulnerable and then exploit their vulnerabilities, which is the root of all trafficking. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a trafficker can spot, you know, a troubled kid a mile away. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why children in the foster care system can be re-trafficked because children in the foster care system have so many vulnerabilities in terms of, are they accepted? Are they valued? Are they loved? Are they treasured? Are they listened to? Is their voice heard? 
Um, and a lot of the times they've been neglected or abused and made to feel like they don't matter, made to feel like their their life doesn't matter and removed from that current situation. But all they know is that life prior. And so a trafficker can come along, promise shelter, promise love, promise um, all their needs being met, promise the family they've always wanted. Mm-hmm. But something that was so beautifully designed by God, family, mm. that is by our father. And then it, it, it is not you know, designed by Satan. He comes and twists it and uses that against, and that was our passion. Mm-hmm. If Satan can use something against these children, I want to use it the way it was specifically designed by the Lord to provide love, protection, healing, and a safe place to meet him and who he is and be able to speak truth into their life and combat the lies that they've been told their entire life. And I think Heather hit it on the head too, that family's creating that safe space to bring in even the question of, you know, I do have a daughter and she's two and a half. And she knows all her body parts. She knows every single one of them because statistics show predators don't want to deal with the children who actually know what the body parts are called because they can't call it a trick thing like a cookie or there's or the special place or whatever. She knows exactly what they're called. Female anatomy. She knows nothing about male anatomy at the moment because <laughs> she's two and a half and has no need for it. Um, but as a parent, I speak truth and value and life into her. Even now, her voice matters now. If wow. she doesn't want to go to the park and play, I say, okay, what would you like to do today? Because we don't have to go to the park and play if you want to sit here and play for the 17th time today with your Anna and Frozen dolls. I'm okay with that. Your voice matters right now so that when you're 13, your voice is going to, you know your voice is going to matter. When you're 16, when you're 11, when you're 10, and when you're five and something's not right, we have already tried to build the foundation that truth and value matter from the very beginning. And you can come to me and talk to me Hey, mommy, I'm seeing my friends in my classroom wearing these really cute tops. Can I get one? It's like, okay, sweetie, let's talk about that. And let's talk about these tops. Um, Let me remind you who you are and how God views you and what kind of these tops are. Like, do you feel comfortable wearing this? Is there a reason you want to wear it? Like, actually have the conversation, not not in my house. Mm -mm, Like, my daughter's not going to be wearing it. Like, I don't do that. I want to know. I got to go back and reparent. (laughs) Well, I, just, I feel like I want to know and I want her to know that her voice really matters. And I think, you know, even with I mean, you're not wrong, though. It's an and I believe that cartoons and movies and shows. I mean, I myself have an HBO account, but dear God, there are so many things on there that it's made me want to delete it. <laughs> there are some good things, but other things that I just don't watch. I, I don't know how people can watch them. And it's just the desensitization. Desensitization. Thank you. You guys yeah. know. The, thank you. That word. Um desensitization of but it's been slow you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's not yeah. like we saw wonderful family films mm-hmm. back in the day um and then the next day we see all this nudity and all this sex and all this stuff it was very slow and it's normalized and but it's also you know as the parent what am i allowing into my house as the parent what am i allowing my family to watch because that can be all over um hi <laughs> Keep going. This is uh, just a, if you could see it, the TV and what's going into the TV. Oh, just got the- it. I love it. Oh, I'm like, what's happening? That's so, so. It's, no, but you guys aren't wrong. If it's, it's both an and simultaneously, like the grooming of children, I I disagree with the things that some young kids are being taught in the public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't agree with it. I think it's not okay for parents to be blindsided by not being told. Chris, my parents also had to sign a form for me to participate in sex ed. I was only allowed to participate in the sex ed for the female anatomy. I was not allowed to participate in sex ed for the male anatomy because my parents did not feel it was right for my age. Um, and I thank them for that every day because as a young kid, 
you just, you don't know. And so I think there are definite, like, you know, that's actually one of the things we train parents on is how to create that safe space in their home with a really tricky nitty gritty. I wish we didn't have to talk about this, but we really do because of the world we live in and how to actually create that safe space in their home. That's really good. Wow. Well, we are getting ready to wrap up and we, we do want uh, to end on a really positive note. So uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can they get involved in you, with you? And how can they find you on social media or anywhere else? Yes, well, we are on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you guys just go into the search bar and type in Arupa Project. Uh, we are uh, a little bit more active on Facebook and Instagram, but please follow us, like our page. We do post you know, events. We post uh, facts about human trafficking. We post things that we are doing, kind of the reality of walking with survivors every single day. Um, if you would love to get involved, please feel free to visit our website that Chris uh, had up a little bit earlier, www.arupaproject.org. We have our emails on there. Um, and you can sign up for our newsletter that goes out every single month with uh, events that are coming up, facts about human trafficking, how you can get involved, um, maybe some event that we may participate in, such as the Sound of Freedom that we just did a couple weeks ago. Um, and again, if you are sitting there and you say, well, I don't know if I have the time, but I think I do have the money. Five bucks goes a long way. Someone gave me a dollar once and I felt so bad. What they don't know is that dollar actually went into our emergency care fund and actually helped us fly a survivor from one place to another to get her to safety. So you just don't know every single penny counts. Um, and then if you want to get a hold of us directly, please feel free to email the uh, email address on the website. It's info at arupaproject.org. Uh, and that'll come to one of us and we'd be happy to meet with you. We love, we're very relational here. We love having coffee. We love having lunch, uh, having you come to our office. So feel free to reach on out. We'd love to chat. So good. Wow. That's really good. Well, thank you. Wonderful. The last couple of weeks, uh, Heather and L'Oreal, thank you for being with us tonight. We bless you. We bless Aruka Project. We bless. We just say right now, not in our city, not in our not country. Not in our city. That's right. That's right. That's right. God bless you. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. God bless. God bless.